are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. Our reading today is from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, and then 23 and 24. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Well, greetings. It is so good to be here this morning. My name, uh, as I was introduced as, is Aaron Brockmeyer. I serve as the senior pastor of Faith Baptist Church in North Minneapolis, and that's where I'm usually working on a Sunday morning, but today we have Bjorn working there. So he did a pulpit swap with me, and I know he's going to be doing a fantastic job there, and it's so great to be here. I met Bjorn in 2017. Uh, He shared about his vision here at the Y Church and his work with the YMCA, and I've just loved the vision, the heart, the mission, and it's so neat to see you all here loving on and serving this community and reaching out to the community around you. So it's a blessing to be here this morning. I don't know about you, was there a few laughs as you were sharing about worse jobs? Maybe a few tears? Maybe a few cringes? Even watching that video a little bit, there's some hurts and disappointments and challenges with work. I think for myself, when I think of what is my worst job that I've ever done, two jobs come to mind. I'll share one to begin with. I grew up in a farm in Nebraska, Cozad, Nebraska. My dad also had cattle. And I very clearly remember all the smells and the sights of one day as we were taking care of the cattle. We were branding the calves on a hot day in Nebraska. And so if you know anything about cattle working or branding or burning hair, it smelled. So there was a smell in the air. We were in a feedlot, and so there was manure all over my feet, so we had the smell of that. We were working the cattle, the calves, and there was some castration going on. And so there was some blood and a lot of calves yelling and screaming or bawling. So there was a lot of noise. So, you know, standing in poop, smelling burnt hair, seeing the blood, seeing all the cattle around on a hot day. And then on top of it, a lot of the calves had scours, which is diarrhea for cattle. And so it was just a messy, ugly day. And it was one of those days where I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm cut out for this farm work, this cattle work. So that was one of my worst jobs. But when we talk about jobs, we can talk about challenges and difficulties, but we can also talk about joys and delights. If I was to ask you, what's your favorite job? I bet there'd be some conversation. There'd be some laughter. There would be some parts that just make you smile because of the opportunity you have to serve. Work is such a key part of our lives. We were created to work. We were made to serve. And the reason we are here this morning is because of the work of others. From the wonderful bread that we were able to enjoy to sitting at the tables and the seats, it's because of the work of others put together bring us to this time and this place, and we're able to enjoy this time together. 
Work is so important. John Clifton, who works for the Gallup organization, said with some of his studies and surveys, he said really the number one pressing issue on people's minds is can I do a good job? So when we come to church here this morning, we come to seek a healthy rhythm, healthy guidance and discipline in how we live life. When we come here, we do not set our work aside and then hear how God wants us just to deal with church and Bible studies. But no, we want to be shaped in all of life by God's teaching. And God teaches us and instructs us on how our faith is to be lived out at work. We heard that from Colossians 17 and verses 23 and 24, that whatever you do, whatever you do, you're to work heartily as for the Lord. Whatever you do is important to the Lord. Whatever you do is to be lived out wholeheartedly, remembering that you work for the Lord and not for men, that you are to do everything in the name of the Lord. Work is to be shaped by our faith. Now that text in the book of Colossians is very broad. Whatever you do is a broad word. But I want to bring that broad word that God empowered Paul through the Holy Spirit to give us guidance and direction on to our immediate context here today. Let me ask you, what is your work at 10 42 on Monday morning. What is your work this time tomorrow? There is a small card. I'd really encourage you to fill this out as you go through it. This is the sermon notes, but my prayer and my hope is this will become a prayer guide by the end of this message. So what is your work at 1040? Now it's 1043 tomorrow. As a... Actually, that's, that's totally not the right time. I'm misleading everybody. It's 10.03. I don't know what, who set that clock, but it's, it's totally off that I was looking at. So um, I guess that's to keep me going, you know. Add a few, few minutes to the... To, <laughs> so, I, so I keep hustling through. Okay, so let's start over. 10.03, what is your work? For myself, as a senior pastor of Faith Baptist Church, on Monday morning, I'd be meeting with my staff asking them what went well, what didn't go well, what do we need to change, what do we need to adjust, what do we never need to do again. And uh, with, again, Bjorn preaching there on Sunday, I'm sure it went really well. So I'm looking forward to hearing back on uh, tomorrow about that. But what do you do on a Monday morning? Or perhaps you work overnights. And so what do you do Monday night at 10.03? Where do you work? Or perhaps you're retired. Because remember, work is more than what you get paid for. Work is contribution. Work is contributing value. And so perhaps you're retired and you have a little bit more room in your schedule and so you can adjust when you work or volunteer or contribute. What does that look like? And if you're a student here, being a student is work. That's your calling for this season. What class are you in tomorrow morning and Monday at 10 a.m. What is the work that God's called you to do? And this Scripture says that your faith should be at work, at work. 
And you should be working wholeheartedly at that work as if serving the Lord. I shared one of the jobs that was a challenge to me. The other job was when I was an engineer. See, I was just an engineer. And so it was really difficult as a Christian to do my job as an engineer wholeheartedly. Because I didn't understand the biblical context for work. I did understand as an engineer that the fruit of my labor of working to earn money, that when I gave that money, that was good to be able to spur on the church, to spur on missions, to be able to bless others. I I got that, so I was able to work a little bit hard because I knew my money that I earned would be put to a good use. I was able to work hard and finish up my work because I knew then when I left work, I could volunteer at the church or lead a Bible study. I knew that was good work, and I was able to work heartily in the sense motivated to get done with work. I was also motivated to take good breaks at work and be able to use my time wise. And I led a Bible study. I tried to reach out to my coworkers during breaks. That was all good. And I was able to work heartily at that. But I struggled working heartily as my work as an engineer because I was just an engineer. Did my work even matter? How does my work as an engineer serve God? Do you feel like sometimes you're just a florist? Just a teacher? Just a clerk? Just a truck driver? It's hard to work heartily at something when we don't recognize God's design for our work. And the bigger context for this passage comes in the Scripture where it's talking about slaves and masters in everyday work. I know Bjorn's talked about that a little bit the last couple of weeks here, but even though it's different than the atrocities of slavery in our history, there were still challenges and difficulties about everyday work, and slaves and masters were similar to a degree with employees and workers, and yet God says in that, it's your design that you are to work hard. And then if we take a bigger step back at the bigger Scripture context, going all the way back to Genesis 1, here I am thinking I'm just an engineer, or you think you're just a teacher, or just a florist. You go to Genesis chapter 1, and how is God described? He's powerful, right? He's good. He's magnificent. and He's holy. He's pure. He's powerful. But if you know your Scriptures, the context, Genesis 1, God is also an architect. He's a builder. He's a designer. He's a zoologist. He's a creator. He's an engineer. He's a florist. He creates in Genesis 1. And then Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28 The Scripture says that God makes us, makes man in God's image after our likeness. And then he says, and then let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
and God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God creates us in His image, the image of God of goodness, of a God of love, a God of community, a God who is an engineer, a florist, a builder, and He creates us to do work. God has designed us to work, to serve. In fact, it's unhealthy if we do not work. Over 80% of people, when you lose your job or you stop working, get health issues or end up at the hospital within the first year because God made us to work. Work happened before the fall. God calls us to work, to image Him. See, often for Christians, we can, li- we can instruct people like Dorothy Sayers says, if a carpenter comes to Christ, we are going to tell that carpenter, now don't get drunk and come to church. But Dorothy Sayers says, to be biblically accurate, we need to make sure to tell that carpenter what their great assignment is from the Scripture. Their great assignment is to now get to work and to build good houses, to build good tables, to put your faith to work literally. God has called each one of us to work and to image Him in our work. God takes what is good and then what happens here? He makes what is very good. Now this is kind of a general principle of how God has designed us to work What is God's design for where I serve? We're called to take what is good, the gifts and abilities, the talents, the resources that He's given us, and apply that to make what is very good. Let me give you an example. My wife is the lead case manager for Together for Good, so she spends much of her time working there, but she is also in our home a wonderful baker. So she will take good ingredients such as water, salt, flour, and yeast. Individually, they're all right. I don't usually eat them on their own. But she will do her magic in the kitchen, mix them all together, put them in the oven. She actually throws now ice cubes in the oven with it. I don't know. Something magical happens and out comes these loaves of bread with crispy edges and we take a stick of butter and we eat these loaves on the spot and my whole family says this is very good to image god god's design for our service is we take what he has given us and we are to make things very good to bring about his beauty to bring about his goodness to represent his image in this world but the next question in the sermon notes, it says, how is where I serve broken? It doesn't say, is where I serve broken. We know that, right? Anybody have trouble at work? Anybody have difficulty and challenges? 
We know the world is broken. In fact, that passage in Colossians comes from when the world is broken. There's masters and slaves. Our work is broken. Genesis chapter 3, it happens when Adam and Eve no longer seek to bring God glory and take what is good and make very good, but they decide to live for themselves. And the world breaks and works break. Now we deal with thorns and thistles in our work. Our work is affected by the curse. Our work is affected now with relationships of tensions and arguments and fighting. How does that manifest itself at your workplace? How is where you work broken? What causes the pain? What causes the grief? Corruption, pollution, abuse. The world in which we are called to work is broken. Our work is broken. That's the context for this passage. But this context for this passage also comes after Colossians chapter 1. And if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 gives us a context for how we are to live out our faith at work as we seek to follow Christ and have Him guide us as we live out our faith at work. There's a movie that I highly recommend to families, whatever age. It's called Wonder Park. And it's a story about a young girl, June, who likes to design amusement parks. She's an architect, a builder, a designer, but she just designs these in her backyard. And she has some stuffed animals that go on the rides with her. And through the story, because of some pain and difficulty, she stops designing those amusement parks at home. And then through cinematic magic, she ends up, through a series of adventures, she ends up in an amusement park. And all her stuffed animals are now alive. Can you believe that? Aren't movies wonderful? She finds all her stuffed animals are alive and she begins to recognize that this is not just any amusement park. This is one of the amusement parks that she designed. But it's not all right. In fact, it's broken, corrupted, and it doesn't work well. And her stuffed animal friends are experiencing the pain of a world that is broken. And yet when they figure out that June is the one who designed this park, they are ecstatic. Because the wise old bear says, June, if you're the designer, then you are the one who can fix it. You're the creator. You can redeem it. You're the designer. You can now restore it. And the movie goes on that she restores the park by writing her name in the center of the clockwork gears. She brings about the restoration of the park because she is the creator. She knows what it takes to fix it. Colossians chapter 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. 
He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Jesus is the Creator of all things. And you know what this verse says? He is also the One who will redeem all things. He will restore all things. He is not satisfied with the broken world. He will restore all things. And He begins to work in our hearts first and foremost. He begins to make things right with you and me. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we then can live as we were designed to live. We can begin to serve others not for our sake, but for their sake. We do not no longer need to seek after our own gain, but we know we have all the heavenly riches so we can seek to bless and to give to others. We no longer have to figure out things on our own because we have the wisdom of God Almighty to guide us and direct us. We can begin to image the God who created us correctly and give people a taste of the kingdom when we put our faith to work at work. My family and I just got back from up north. We took a few days for MEA weekend. Thursday and Friday, we headed back Saturday. My in-laws have a cabin up near Emily. We also love to mountain bike in Cuyuna. We love going mountain biking and enjoying our time there. And always one of our treats is to go to this ice cream shop there in Cuyuna called Victuals. And when you go there, they have a countless selection of ice cream. They had one with Carolina Reaper and chocolate. I got a little taste of that. They have a church basement, which is some sort of lemon dessert. They have pink squirrel. They have Oreo. They have a whole bunch of wonderful selections, and we love tasting those and getting a foretaste of what is to come. And again, usually we taste the Oreo, and that beats everything else out. So we taste it, And then we get that nice big bowl of ice cream. You and me, if our faith is in Jesus Christ, we are called to give people a foretaste of the kingdom. To give them a taste of what it means to know the God of love and peace and joy. To give them a taste of forgiveness and patience. A taste of compassion a taste of care and nurture, a taste of God's love. It always falls short. You know, that little spoon is not enough, but it gives people a taste. How are you imaging God's service at your workplace at Monday at 10.20? How are you giving your co-workers, your boss, those you work for, your clients, a taste of the Jesus who is the Creator and the Redeemer. The Jesus who's written His name across your heart to repair it and to restore it. I have a congregant at my church. His name is saying he's a plumber. He puts his faith to work. And one of my favorite stories he tells is of a time when he was called to go to a house 
that had a plugged toilet. And it wasn't just plugged for a little bit. It was plugged for many, many days. And the man opened the door ashamed, embarrassed, and very, very, just just felt full of shame because he had to call a plumber to fix the toilet that he's been using for a number of days. And, and my friend Blong gave this man a foretaste of the kingdom. When he dealt with this man with love and dignity, he dealt with this man, he lived out his faith at work, fixed the toilet, and restored dignity to this man and how he treated him with compassion instead of ridicule, treated him with love and gentleness instead of making his shame grow worse. This is how we live out our faith at work. 53% of people want their jobs to make a bigger impact. We are called by God to love Him with all our whole heart, soul, and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work to begin to walk backwards and to see how our work loves our neighbor. But every work that God calls us to loves our neighbor. Do you see that with the florist? Her work was loving her neighbors. How about you at your workplace? How do you show love to your coworkers? Students, how do you show love to those around you? How do you show love if you work for the government, for your constituents, or those who are in your area? Does that make clients now individuals who have made in God's image? Do that make individuals who have filled the toilet and an inconvenience or a difficult job now people made in God's image that you are called to love and serve? How do you live at your faith at work by loving those through your work? A friend, his name is Brian. He is a PA. And he said for many years he lived with his work as something that fuels his giving, provides for his family. But that was about it. He specifically worked for a surgeon who worked on knees. And so Brian said for most of his career, he worked on bad knees. And then he encountered the God who is the Creator and the Redeemer. Then he encountered Scriptures like Genesis 1, 26, 27, and 28. Colossians chapter 3. And he realized that whatever he does, he is to work heartily for the Lord. That his work mattered. And he brought his faith to work. And you know what it looks like now? He doesn't work on bad knees. He works on people who have a hurt knee. He works on Tim's knee and Lori's knee and Alex's knee. And he's being able to show God's love as he sees them as God's image bearers who are hurt, broken, 
But Brian begins to show love to them. How do you show love at your workplace? Friends, I would love for you to take a moment and to walk through this and to use this as a prayer guide. And I I know that Pastor Bjorn or Greg with the prayer team, if you feel comfortable filling this out, putting your name on that and putting it in the prayer box, that gives those individuals and Bjorn a chance to pray for you to live out your faith at work at Monday at 1026. Let me pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You that none of us are just a teacher, just a florist, just an engineer, just a mom, just a grandma, just a grandpa, just a truck driver. Now, if our faith is in Jesus Christ, we are Your children. We are made in Your image. We are redeemed. And now we are called to live that faith out at work. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't segment our life, that we wouldn't separate and be at church one moment and live out what it means to be patient and kind and loving and then go out into the workplace, out into the school, and not live that out. Instead, that we would continually share the aroma of Christ, that we would give people a foretaste of the kingdom as we follow you, because you've written your name on our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at thewychurch.org.